Welcome to Kiss of Life. I'm Jill Hoy, and this is my true unscripted story about how a wonderful but unexpected kiss combined with an unwavering faith in the guidance of my heart takes me away from my seemingly perfect and fabulous life to begin an amazing spiritual journey on the other side of the world. So in October 2010, I began my yoga teacher training course in New York. And just as a quick recap, um, I had been divorced now for only four months. I'd walked out of my very beautiful home with just my clothes and left behind an extremely comfortable lifestyle. Um, I closed my office. I said goodbye to my staff. I left some truly amazing and very, very special friends in Hong Kong. And during all this time, I was renovating my new London apartment thousands of miles away. And I did a lot in nine short months. So I was taking my multitasking to a whole new level. Then, as if that wasn't already emotionally challenging enough, I put my youngest son into boarding school and moved to New York a city which I hadn't visited for, oh, more or less 20 years and where I knew really no one. And I began my training as a yoga teacher. So just to say, it took a tremendous amount of courage. And I remember walking along Third Avenue on my first few days of training (laughs) And uh, the weather was still perfect and it was lovely and mild and and I was really enjoying um, the walk to Pure. And um, I always think that the only way to really get to know any city is to walk. And I remember walking the 30 blocks and thinking, wow, this is a seriously noisy city. I couldn't get over how noisy everything was. And, um, and it kind of... Um, made me think, maybe that's why Americans always talk so loudly. Um, and why are, why are all these people still in their exercise clothes and wearing sneakers at like lunchtime? Like, why? So let's just take a moment here to understand the culture difference. So back in Hong Kong, nobody walks around town in their leggings or their sneakers, and not if, well, certainly not if you wanted to be served in a nice shop or if you wanted to go to a nice restaurant. Actually, pretty well, pretty much, uh, pretty much anywhere. So you were automatically, immediately considered to be a tourist. And, um, and here I was having just arrived from Hong Kong, where, um, just to, just to show you the difference in, 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 culture that I culturally what I was going to um, I had just arrived uh, from Hong Kong where I used to go to my office every day wearing high heels I'd go in like my I don't know my Jimmy Choo's or whatever and head to toe in Chloe and with my you know my little Birkin bag over my arm and um, although I obviously wasn't dressed like that uh, now in New York I just couldn't get my head around how casual everyone was and that nobody seemed to care. So, oh yes, and the supermarket, that was another eye-opener. So, packing my own shopping. I was like, what? Anyway, I remember being 
Oh, and another thing too, just one more thing. I remember being um, slightly offended if I wasn't given my credit card back with two hands, which is a very Asian custom of politeness. So I just couldn't get over how informal everybody was. I mean, and, and I thought, gosh, they're like almost rude. But of course, they weren't at all. Um, it was normal here in New York. And I just, <laughs> I just needed a little time to adjust. So um, I was quite nervous at the beginning of the training. I had no idea what to expect and I wasn't that flexible. I'm still not that flexible. And just for the record, it irritates me beyond measure that social media gives this impression that one needs to be super bendy in order to practice yoga or to look good practicing yoga. So... Um, you don't. You absolutely don't. And obviously, I have evolved, um, becoming considerably stronger in my practice. And I now have a much, much greater range of motion in the postures. But for me, it's most definitely always going to be a work in progress, which I believe is what yoga is truly supposed to be. So anyway, I discovered out of about 24 or 25 of us, um, all females except for one wonderful man, Kirk, who I loved, got on with him like a house on fire. Um, I discovered that um, at the beginning of the course, um, I was much older than everybody else um, by at least 10 to 15 years. And Many of them, many of them came from dancers' backgrounds or practiced uh, gymnastics. <laughs> and, oh dear Lord, I couldn't even climb the ropes at gym at school. So, I mean, I had absolutely zero upper body strength. So, I was already beginning to feel completely out of my depth. So, I begin my training and... Um, there are three really important standout things which I want to mention and tell you about. Firstly, uh, when we were about three quarters of the way through the training and we'd had a full afternoon class with the pure Ashtanga teacher um, and he was really putting us through our paces and we then got to some of the more challenging postures, uh, one which was Prasarita which uh, is a very wide-legged stance, and then you come into a forward-folding bend. And hopefully, <laughs> I say, hopefully, with your head touching the mat. So for me, this was an incredibly difficult um, posture, and I felt quite embarrassed that my head was absolutely nowhere near the mat, um, but everybody else's was. And then it was time to do our headstand practice. And the teacher asked us to do it near the wall. And I had never, ever done a headstand. And I mean never done a headstand in my life before. And I was filled with complete, pure and utter panic. And I had fear like you can't imagine. And I watched everybody in the class just sort of, pop up into this headstand and um, some of them even laughing and chatting with the person next to them whilst they were in the posture. And 
for those of you who have practiced headstand and who have approached it from a place of tremendous fear like myself, you will know that all of these things go through your head, which are like, oh my God, I'm going to break my neck. or Oh my God, I'm going to fall and break my back. Or, you know, I mean, all these things, ridiculous things that go through your head, but are completely normal. So, and there I was, the only one sort of struggling. And I felt so embarrassed. Oh my God, I felt so inadequate. And I felt ashamed that I couldn't do these postures. And in my head, I was thinking, what the hell am I doing here? You know, like what on earth am I thinking? Oh my God, Jill, you can't be a yoga teacher. You can't even do the fucking postures. It's like, for God's sake, what are you doing here? And then of course, the tears started to silently roll down my cheeks. And it was at that point that the teacher stopped the class and asked everybody to sit down in, in a circle. And I sat right at the back, hoping that nobody would see that um, I had been crying. And the teacher then said, okay, well done. Yeah, you all popped up without thinking. You all came into this posture without any fear, any consciousness of exactly how your body moved into the pose. And you're all thinking, wow, look, I'm, I'm doing yoga. But actually, there was only one person in this class who was doing real yoga, who was facing her fears, challenging her comfort zone, and becoming aware of exactly how much muscle strength and courage is needed in doing the work. And that was Jill. And I have never forgotten this, partly because I was hugely embarrassed that he brought the attention to me um, and that I couldn't do the posture and he kind of like although he pointed it out in a positive way I still felt um, very embarrassed but it was a deeply humbling moment for me and I am ever conscious of this when I teach my students when they're approaching a particularly challenging posture and just to also add that um, some of you on my Instagram ask me, um, one of my friends in particular, so Possum, this is for you. Why do I always spend my, you know, time upside down? And actually, I practice headstand every single day. So, um, and she's always asking me, why are you always upside down? You know, and a few people do ask me the same question. And it's simply because it was such a challenging posture for me to go out of my comfort zone, to actually stand upside down, but on my own. So it was a way of building this inner fortitude and proving to myself, you are strong, Jill, you are capable, you can overcome your fears, and you can stand alone. You don't need anybody you can do this and you can even do it standing on your head so anyway so um so then we get to um the 200 let's go back to the story so on the 200 hour course we had to do many hours in training with with uh the teachers and we also had to practice uh, an allotted amount of hours with selected teachers. So I went into a class and I set up my mat and thought I was taking a class with one of these selected training teachers who I'd never met before. Um, but then when the door closed and the teacher had entered, I realized, oh, I realized all too late 
that I should have actually been in the studio next door, but it was too late to leave, and the class was with a teacher called Marco Rojas, a Venezuelan teacher with a very advanced practice and a booming voice. So it was actually when I heard his voice that I thought, oh my God, I'm in the wrong class, help! So the class began, and during the class, Marco came up to me and he asked me, who are you? You're new to my class, I'll never forget it. Where are you from? And I told him, I was. he made me so nervous, and I said, I, I, I'm Jill, and I'm here from Hong Kong, and I'm doing the teacher training. And he sort of taught another couple of postures, and then he suddenly threw out to the class, anyone who travels all the way from Hong Kong to do a yoga training uh, course is very serious about their yoga. So anyway, Marco, uh, um, Marco has such a strong and powerful aura, I guess you could say, a very strong personality. I, I mean, I was completely afraid to speak to this man for the longest time, but I really enjoyed his classes, which I started going to regularly. Um, and they are completely, and, and I know they still are, completely off the scale challenging, um, booming instructions and telling, you know, he used to tell us, I'm giving you my 100% and I expect you to do the same. So there was no sloping off at the back of the class with Marco. You were, you had to give 110% in that class. But they were immensely informative classes and incredibly rewarding when you'd finished. So I remember in one class in particular, Marco asking us to stand at the top of our mat with our eyes closed and to just take a moment to consider all the people who were supporting us and standing behind us and to take a moment to visualize all those people. And as he said this, he came and stood right behind me on my mat and he put his feet, um, he sort of hooked his toes around my heels with his big toe and his other toes around my heels. So I felt very supported. So, I mean, I was very um, alarmed because he was immensely close. And when he was talking, I could, he was so close in with his booming voice that I could feel my hair moving on the back of my head. But it was um, very, very powerful and something that I have never forgotten and that I have done with some of my students in the past um, when I have felt that they were in a particularly vulnerable um, time of their life. And um, I followed Marco's classes for many, many years. And just to mention that at that time, he had been recently recognized as one of America's top 100 most influential yoga teachers. And um, actually, just to go off on a brief tangent for a moment, I just wanted to add that all this time, my boys were so incredibly supportive. And, oh, how I love these boys. They used to tell me so many times how proud they were of me. And um, we talked regularly on the telephone. Um, we have, and by um, SMS and, and um, texting and, and emailing and um, we're very, the three of us are, are, are very, very close. We have a very tight bond, but we used to talk regularly. And um, 
Actually, I used to spend a lot of my spare time sending them these, like these big food parcels. They'd be like, Jill, we need some cereal because they're giving us granola for breakfast, which was like, you know, horror of horrors. So I was sending them like sort of Apple Jacks and all these sort of like, um, um, I can't remember, all these sort of weird um, cereals, which we couldn't ever get in the UK or in, or in Hong Kong. So Anyway, and all these different cereals and sweeties and all sorts of things to keep their tuck supply going. And in fact, I spent so much time at the post office on the corner of 55th and 3rd that I actually got to know the staff quite well. Especially a Chinese, there was a Chinese lady from Hong Kong, which was I, very extraordinary. Um, and so I used to speak uh, Cantonese with her, which was really lovely and um, back in the day then, I used to actually speak Cantonese pretty well. So I've forgotten a lot of it now, but um, I used to speak it really quite well. Anyway, and I didn't think twice about jumping on a plane from New York to Geneva to spend 24 hours with these amazing boys who I love. And um, we'd spend a weekend, have their weekend exiat, which was actually not really a weekend. It was just one night. Anyway, and just to say that over the years... Um, these amazing boys have practiced yoga with me and with all of my teachers at Pure. So they were very um, supportive of what I was doing. Anyway, so I was collecting my hours of practice and one afternoon I was waiting to go into a class and I was quite early. So there was a class already going on in that studio. And the studio doors were like these enormous wooden doors, but they had a narrow window across the middle, um, just a sort of viewing window. So you could see inside and see the classroom and see what was going on. And I looked through the window and I was watching and um, I was watching what they were all doing. And the teacher was taking his students and he was taking them up one by one into either a handstand or into um, um, Pinchamayarasan, which is like a forearm stand or into a headstand or even into a headstand where your arms are alongside your body and you're only balancing on the crown of your head. So I was watching all of this through the window I'm guessing probably then with my mouth wide open when suddenly the teacher saw me and he smiled at me and he waved for me to come in. And I sort of wagged my finger and, 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 and waved my hands and to say, no, 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 no way. But he waved at me again to say, come in, come in, don't be afraid. And I smiled and then I did the prayer gesture with my hands to say, thank you, thank you, but you know, no. And, um, and then I immediately went to the receptionist to to ask uh, who this was and, and that I, I wanted to know his name so that I would know to completely avoid that class at all costs and so that I wouldn't make the same mistake that I had made with Marco. And the receptionist, oh, she was lovely. And um, she was so such a lovely girl. Anyway, she was smiling at me and she was like, oh, uh, in Studio 2? Oh, that's... That's Yogi Charu. And I was like, that's Yogi Charu? And yes, it was Yogi Charu. And he was here teaching at Pure New York. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something in my story that maybe made you take a pause or perhaps sparked your interest. 
or just simply inspired you to follow your heart. If you did, then please give Kiss of Life a like and a follow. And of course, don't forget to tell all of your friends. That would be amazing. Sending you all love and light. Thank you. This podcast was edited and hosted by Ivan Gluckman with music by Lucas Hoy. Original artwork by Chandre Bouchot. True and unscripted storytelling by Jill Hoy with direction from me, Matt Penman. <laughs>